Welcome to The Manly Catholic. In this podcast, we will inspire, challenge, and equip all men to become the men they were created to be. Join us as we journey together to become the best versions of ourselves and strive to change our communities one man at a time. Signing off. That's quick. Hello, all. Welcome to another episode of The Manly Catholic. This is James with Father Dom and Tonight, we have a very special guest with us. We have Dr. Dan Schneider. Dan, welcome to the Manly Catholic Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. It's, it's our pleasure. And, you know, Dan uh, wrote a new book coming out from TAN. It's called The Liber Christo Method. It is a field manual for spiritual combat. And this book, for all of you listening, is is absolutely fantastic. I was telling Dan earlier before we started and, and Father Dumb earlier when we were talking, it, it, it's one of those books where it's definitely not something you can breeze through. Pretty much every page, every paragraph, I pretty much highlighted everything that I've read so far because it's just so in-depth. It's so well-researched. And if, for those of you who are serious about your spiritual life, spiritual combat that we know we're all in, the spiritual warfare aspect, this is a book that you definitely need to get. So so Dan, we are honored to to have you on and to and to be a part of this podcast and to talk more about this book. But before we dive into it, Father Dom, would you mind leading us in a world of prayer before we start? Oh, I'd love to. Let's uh let's play that. Let's pray the uh, the Ave Maria, asking Mary, our Holy Mother, to cover us with her mantle of protection as we begin. In nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. In nomine Patris, et Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Oh, Ain't nothing like calling on our, our Holy Mother before we go yeah. to war. Right? All right. Yeah, I, I actually Absolutely. heard it in session uh, about a month ago. The priest was calling, was doing the the the, the uh, litany to um, Loretto, and the demon starts manifesting and says, "Oh her, oh her." Every time you call her, she comes. She wraps her mantle around you. And uh, something they know. It's, it's fantastic. Well, the demons know that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And and calling her the the oh her, the spouse of God. You know, I mean, of all the garbage that that when you're working in this particular uh, apostle, that it's just you're like a cosmic garbage man. It's the dirty jobs of the Catholic Church. Have you seen that show, Dirty Jobs? You know. Oh so yeah, yeah, with Dirty Jobs, Mike Rowe, right? Yeah. Yep. So, but every mm-hmm. once in a while, you just get some gold like that. You know, we 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 can't get uh, Catholics in the pew to understand the spousal relationship between the Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit, and a demon will 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 in in all truth and under duress call her the yes. spouse of God, uh, yes. who wraps her mantle around you. You know. Yes. And uh, anyway, so. Don't get me started on the Blessed Mother. We'll be here for a while. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, we, we, we got all night. We got yeah, all night. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, so I do, before we... blue though, it's more Notre Dame blue <laughs> than Michigan. I can just tell you that right now. We've got the right tint of blue. Yeah. You know, Dan, I thought we cleared this up that we weren't going to bring up the whole Ohio State Michigan thing in the middle of the podcast. But you know, since the gloves are off, so I was in Southern California and I said, and I wear my Notre Dame tie, and I said, you know why people down here go to UCLA rather than UC rather than they go to UCLA rather than USC, and there are all these USC fans there. I said, because it's easier to spell. That's why why they go to USC instead of UCLA. Anyway, yeah. That is true, though. So I I second that for sure. 
Yeah, That's some funny. UCLA guy. So yeah. So okay. So before we dive into the book, and before we talk about the Ohio State Michigan rivalry, question I always like to ask is: if you could be the patron saint of anything, Dan, what would it be and why? I know I was thinking about that um, when you put that in your email. I don't know. I was. Um, uh, I'm a Benedictine oblate, and uh, yeah, I, nice. uh, my my uh, my relig- my my oblate name is Sebastian Mary because he was a patron of soldiers. The only saint to be martyred twice. So maybe the patron saint of guys who need a second chance. Guys oh, that, need, that need to get picked up off the ground, knock their dirt off, put the mouthpiece back in, and get back in the fight. That's that. fantastic. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, he was Sebastian. martyred twice. Can you expand on that? I don't think I know that story. Well, the first time you see the, you see the image of him um, rife with arrows, it was back in the, in the early – some of the early sporadic persecution in the early church – and he was a, and he was a, uh, um, he was a part of the legion the, that they were, they would be kind of the equivalent of the special forces. They would have been the Praetorian Guard, which were originally taken from the Tenth Legion, which were the right wing, the uh, the Caesar's most uh, coveted warriors. And the best of those best would be, be would be used in the Praetorian Guard as it developed from the Tenth Legion. And so he would have been a really true stud centurion. Um, and so to be in this, and then he converted to Christianity. And, in, and refused and refused to to apostatize, and so he was uh, tied to a tree and shot with arrows and left for dead. And then um, some early uh, some of the Christian women found his body and nursed him back to life. And you'll see him, you know, t- strapped to a tree uh, and shot with arrows. And that's kind of the they used it, the, that story of Saint Sebastian. A lot of artists would use it to show the male body. That's why you see he's always yoked out. And so. He gets brought back to life by Saint uh, uh, Irene. Irene, Irene is the Greek word for peace, and so he gets resuscitated through holy peace, brought back to life. And rather than just going in, slipping into retirement and avoiding trouble, he went right back into the fight. He waited for the emperor, denounced him again for persecuting Christians, and finally they they got him and cut his head off and threw him threw his body into the sewage system. So he was technically martyred twice, and the second one they did him in. For good, but he's the patron saint of soldiers and and, mm-hmm. and fighters and many other things. So athletes too, I think, athletes, right? Athletes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Behind me, behind me is is just obviously a small piece of the Eisenheim altarpiece. Oh, and my, yeah, my yeah, head, yeah. my head, my head is covering it. But to the other side of the crucifix, there, the Saint Sebastian is 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 hanging from a pillar and he's shot with arrows. Yeah, so he's behind me. Yeah, yeah. he's right there watching. I've got mine over here. I've got a different one. It's it's um, I forget the artist. He's laying out. He's got his um, uh, uh, all of his, his his armaments over here at his feet. He's stripped down, and the, the holy women are pulling arrows out of him and and nursing him back to life. Is it? It's, it's a, he's a fantastic saint for men because you got to be able to take a punch. You know what I mean? It, you know, manly. I mean, you got you guys got rocking beards, but but some guys think that being manly is about the beard and the cigar, and the bourbon. You know what I mean? It's not about that. It's about being able to take a punch and keep driving forward and keep moving. Yeah, and get forward. back up and get back get up, up. Just like St. Sebastian, just like all the saints. Yeah. 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 You got to get back. That's up. Yeah. That's what we're called to, yeah. to be. Right. So, yeah. 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 So, so Dan, why don't you give our, our listeners just a little bit of background on yourself and then dive in. We'll transition that into your book, the Libra Cristo method and why you felt like it was a needed resource in this day and age today 
Yeah, so I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, as we discussed beforehand. Full disclosure for the for the the people that are, live in the, the what we call the state TSUN, the state up north. Um, we can't even use the, the name, but I'll say it on the show. This you know this is Michigan, so we're the Ooh. state to the south of Michigan. So I grew up in Ohio. Went to went to went my undergraduate through the University of Notre Dame. Went to the military. I went through ROTC at Notre Dame. Went into the military, and uh, I was a, a uh, Cobra and Huey uh, helicopter pilot. I went right out of the military. Um, I mean, right out of college, uh, commission through RTC commission, airborne, went to airborne, went through Ranger Air Assault, then flight school and went straight over to Iraq. And uh, I think I turned 23, maybe 24 in Iraq, uh, very young, flying Cobras um, and, and uh, came back, had a conversion experience over there, um, came back. Uh, kind of forgot about things for a while, put got on the side burner as and and over after a couple of years, I realized uh, this doesn't this doesn't work out too well trying this life thing on my own. Finally, fully surrendered my life to to the Lord and and uh, started studying theology and and um, right around the time COVID uh, was um, hit, I was finishing up my doctoral work. At the time, we had a, a priest who was a good friend of mine who was asked to start an exorcist uh, team in our diocese. And so I went through training with the Pope Leo. I went back and did some training of the lay track there. And uh, um, so I'm, I'm doing this you know, in the morning, doing this super rational academic scholastic work in the mornings. And then in the afternoons and the evenings, working cases, um, seeing some of the most bizarre things you could possibly see that are completely irrational. And somehow, um, you know, over time, I started working with uh, Kyle Clement, who's Father Ripperger's right hand man. And, and, and then with Father Ripperger. And, uh, so, um, started working, you know, working cases with them. And as they developed the protocol, we started fleshing out, uh, and working it out in, in practical time in the field, working this four phase protocol. And, and then the second phase of that protocol is a catechetical piece where a mentor couple takes the person through this book. And so I developed this book to be used both for our teams, but also for, um, the average Catholic to, to read it and go, man, I, I really probably need to work on that in my life. You know, I was sitting after mass one day and I was watching, I was waiting, I was going to breakfast with my pastor, my parish priest, and he's just cleaning, putting the altar back and cleaning. He's by himself. And I'm looking at him and, and I said, that's who I want to really, really write the book for, for the average parish priest to go, this is a good resources resource for his parishioners. So it's kind of a multi-use tool, um, a return to tradition. As it says in the book cover, we find an ancient enemy and the ancient weapons are best. So what I've tried to do is lay out, you know, uh, a lot of the teachings of Father Ripperger from Dominion and, and the psychology of um, uh, his Thomistic psych- his book on, on what was it, the uh, psychology of mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 the practical experience uh, of, of those guys, as well as my own experience, my own diocese and uh, and try to put together a manual for people. It's a 12 step uh, sequential walk through this and start looking to help people to uncover where is the enemy hiding in my life. It's kind of a manual to show uh, what the enemy's looking for. I mean, I could tell stories uh, and probably sell a lot more books. Um, but I'm not interested in doing that. What we're trying, what we're trying to do is put a practical field guide into somebody's hand and say, this is how you fight this battle. Thank you all so much for listening. I just want to take a brief moment to thank one of our sponsors, which is Mystic Monk Coffee. Now, Mystic Monk Coffee is, thank you all so much for listening to another episode. I just want to take a brief pause. And tell you about one of our sponsors. I want to thank 
Mystic Monk Coffee. For the best coffee for a great cause, we recommend Mystic Monk Coffee. Roasted with prayer by the Carmelite monks in Wyoming, Mystic Monk Coffee has the ultimate cup waiting for you. See more at mysticmonkcoffee.com. If you decide to support the podcast on our Patreon page at the $20 per month or above level, we will actually send you a free bag of Mystic Monk Monk Coffee of your choice and we'll even pay for shipping for you. As you all know, one of our missions with the podcast is to help support our priests as well. So what better way than to combine coffee with priesthood? I don't think there's a better combination. Even better than peanut butter and jelly. And I love peanut butter. So go check out their website today, mysticmonkcoffee.com. You can also check out our website, support us on Patreon, and we'll send you that free bag of coffee. And that's enough of me chit-chatting. Let's get back to that amazing Manly Catholic episode. God bless. Dan, I I mean, you mentioned this in the book, too, and I've heard Father Ripker mention it as well. And he said, you know, the best... When people come to us, or the people, the thing that people don't recognize is that the sacraments are our best defense against the devil and having a, a disciplined prayer life. Because you talk about that so much, and I know you mentioned you're in the military, so thank you for your service, by the way, for that. <clears throat> and you know the, the the importance of spiritual discipline. I mean, we we practice discipline in so many other aspects of our life, and I think people neglect the spiritual life. They think, well. If I just say a haphazard prayer here and there, then that, you know, that's fine versus actually having a practical set time right. every day that you take to prayer. And I love too, you know, because you talk about it's basically a prescription, right? It's just like medicine. So it's medicine for your soul, if you will, and that you lay out exactly what if people just follow this protocol, you know, for 90 percent of people, if they're feeling some sort of, you know, um, intense temptation or oppression, things like that. For most people, that will resolve it just because you put order into your life. And as we know, Satan is always trying to introduce chaos and trying to divide us. So maybe talk about, kind of leading into that, the importance of that spiritual discipline aspect that a lot of people neglect now. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of bad theology out there with deliverance ministry. And a lot of people think it's just a secret prayer and a special, uh, um, you know, if you have this special certain secret prayer that it'll work and then you could be done. It, it's a grind. Um, and, and what we found over time is that the demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the prayers themselves. And that the bulk of people can clean up even oppression uh, levels and even higher uh, obsession levels can be cleaned up just through the imposition of order and then going through a good deep dive uh, general confession. The sacraments are our protection. That's what provides our base shield of armor against the enemy. And we neglect that. We, we treat it like a magic pill. But living a sacramental life, getting sacramental grace into the life, which means also for married people, the grace marital, you know, the, the, the grace of matrimony, getting order back in the home. But that disciplined prayer life is very important. You know, I'll put on a nice sport coat and a collared shirt when I, I'm on an interview or I'm going to work. But then I go to mass and I wear shorts and flip flops. Right. Because Jesus doesn't care what I'm wearing to church today. Well, that's effeminate. That's a that's an effeminate attitude, you know. Uh, um, and we have to we have to embrace who we are as men and we have to give God our very best, including our time. Here's what St. Catherine of Siena, doctor of the church, says. She says everybody should pray for 30 minutes a day, she says, unless they're busy. Right. And, you know, the answer, Father, if you're busy, she says you need to pray for an hour. 
right? You got to double it. You got, I can tell you right now, when I, when I get out of prayer, when I, when I start slacking on my, on my, and I'm not talking about mystical Kung Fu prayer. I'm talking about grinding it out prayer. When I get out, just set times for prayer. When I get out of that rhythm, I'm vulnerable. You know, I was during COVID. You guys will like this. It was during COVID and, you know, the scare, everybody's terrified and all this stuff. So I'm laying in bed with my wife and I, and I lean over and I hand her this piece of paper and she says, what is this? I said, well, it's a, she opens it up and it's, I said, it's a litany of saints to be prayed during times of plague. And she said, she just looked at me and we've been married 30 years now, 31 years. She said, you, my friend, practice smash mouth Catholicism. And, and really spiritual warfare is smash mouth Catholicism. This is a high state Michigan in, in November and it's snowing and it's freezing cold and then it starts to rain. And then people in the stands are throwing stuff at you, right? And th this is just big on big, and you move the ball. You just grind it out. And that's what, and it's Catholicism, living it out, including the harder parts of Catholicism, which includes suffering, learning yeah. how to use our bodies in redemptive suffering. This is, this is real spiritual warfare. And then we can get to some of the prayers, the specific prayers that need to be prayed. I work those into the book, but you got to have a baseline. Of prayer, yeah. you got to have a baseline of daily prayer, a discipline, a life order to prayer, uh, to, as a very basic before you get into some of the other types of soldiery. The same, yeah. if I can just interject real quick, I mean, just coming from the perspective of of the priesthood as well, and being being that persona Christi, Capitas Dei Ecclesia, right? I mean, I've only been a priest for for three years now, and what I've what I've noticed in both forms of the mass, right, the the, the missile the sixty two or, or the Novus Ordo, um, is is when you open when you open the missile, the first thing you see is the order of the mass, right? The order of the mass, and if you follow the rubrics of the missile. Especially in the 62, I, I love praying the, 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 the extraordinary form of the mass because it's so ordered. It brings that order. It brings, it brings order. It, 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 it gets rid of the chaos, right? And like you said, James, like Saint, Satan is all about the chaos. He wants to bring in that chaos. He wants the confusion, right? He wants the disorder. And that's where men are today. I see it all the time. You know, Dr. Dan, you talked about, um, you know, being effeminate, right? Pursuing the, the pleasurable things and for and foregoing those things that are challenging and hard that that bring virtue. Right. And so when men bring order to their lives and men are all about order, you know, Dan, you were in the military. I had two brothers in the military as well, in the Army and the Marine Corps. And one was in 20, 22 years in. Right. It's all about the order. It's all about that. And men, men are men are gravitated towards that. They need that order. They need the brotherhood and they need the fraternity. Yeah. Right? Brotherhood, they need order and ritual. That's what men need. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do. And Satan, and Satan knows that if he can keep men from doing that, he's going to continue to, con, you know, continue to cause chaos in, in, in the world. And so men are at the tip of the spear, right? We're at yeah, the tip of the yeah. spear. And we do. We, we do have to grind it out. But we're built for that. We're meant for that. That's our masculinity to, to find the vice and root that out and to build virtue. I mean, there's there's strength and, and power and commitment into that. But when we do it together as as a fraternity and a brotherhood, there's so much more power. That's what I love about Band of Brothers, right? That the HBO series. Oh. Yeah, I mean, there's so much power there in, in men, and that, and and that's what Catholicism is, right? We are we are the church militant. Well, gosh, man, that's soldierly language there, and that's yeah, what attracted in the, me. In the old ritual, Father of Confirmation, if you recall, the bishop would slap you. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not yeah, like this isn't. A, it was supposed to be. I mean, it was supposed to get your attention. 
you're a soldier for Christ, you know? Yeah. When I, when I, we did confirmation retreats here at my church, you know, there's, there'd be 75 kids, right? With big church here that I'm a pastor of. And uh, I talked about that and I said, so should I tap you or slap you? And the parents (laughs) give me a weird look, you know, and, but it is, it's part of the right, um, the ritual of that too. And another, another part of the, the, the baptismal ritual, um, that has has kind of been uh, uh, it's not necessarily in the ritual, but it's in, it's part of the tradition. And I've heard priests talk about it as well. And I'll do it in the beginning of the baptismal. Right. The the, the family will be outside the church. Right. right. They're pounding. They're pounding on the door. What they're are you asking the door. of the church? Yeah. Yes. I open the door and I stick my hat out and I say, what are you looking for? What are you asking for? Baptism. What does baptism give you? Faith. And then I let them into the narthex. They're not in the sanctuary yet, but I let them into the narthex. And when the family comes in, right, the child that's about to be baptized is with them. When they're all in, I stick my head out and I spit. Right. Who am I spitting on? Yeah. Spitting, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and your spit anyway. is like fire to the, I can tell you, your spit is like fire. It's hard for people to grasp this, but to watch during the the old ritual of exorcism, the priest does what's called exsufflation. And now we even see the bishop will do this when he baptizes when he when he blesses the water on Holy Week. But exsufflation goes all the way back to Tertullian in the second century. He mentions this when the priest, the priest during the ritual breathes on the possessed person. You can see it's like it's like it's like they're like the priest is a fire breathing dragon. The demon responds in like pain. You know what I mean? That will purify your your understanding. And when you can sit through some of these sessions and see the things that we see, it'll purify your understanding of, of the priesthood. And what does and if you do the office of readings last week, they were reading the mystical uh, mystical catechesis of St. Ambrose. And he was saying, do not judge this priest by what you see with your eyes. Judge him by his office. He is. And if you don't like what you see. Think of Peter, Paul, and Elijah, who called down fire from heaven, and that's what and that's what the priesthood does. And this is what we're trying to get people to understand: is the power of holy priesthood and support. Guys like you, we're just hero support. You guys are the superheroes, and and to see that in, in the spiritual realm and tapping into that. But even as men, as fathers, we're the fire breathing dragons in our home. We're the ones that need to be be, be being the priest. In our home yeah. and leaving the home. Yeah. But that's and, beautiful. And that old ritual father really shows you the, the combat elements um, that's been kind of washed out and ignored in, in a really kind of effeminate culture that we live in. Yeah. Man, if, 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 if men could know the power that, that they have, like the grace that they have, just, just being masculine. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. The my two goodness. extremes were being driven to machismo and effeminism. Yeah. Right. We're being driven these two extremes and the and masculinity, St. Joseph, right in the middle. I've seen yeah. it in session where the priest puts his stole on, on, on the Nurgan. In fact, on the Nurgan, they actually place it on the neck, reminding the devil this is the spot that he, she with, you know, the, the, the redeemer with the co-redemptrix will crush the head. Genesis 315. And then when a husband who's in a state of grace lays his hands on his wife, it gets the same reaction from her body as a priest. Mine don't do that. My PhD doesn't doesn't have one iota of it doesn't help me at all in the spiritual combat. It has nothing to do with that. It's the husband's holy hands, his hands having spiritual authority is it's extremely effective in spiritual yeah. combat. Yeah, uh, Jimmy, you remember when we had Jesse Romero 
on mm-hmm. and he was talking about um that 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 story of that the priest was in traffic and the, the his prayer team was there in in the sanctuary and it was a son and his father was there and and the priest said to the father put your hands on your son and pray remember that remember Jesse yeah. talking about and that yeah, yeah that, and the that, priest yeah. basically told him what prayers to say over yep. his son and uh Jesse led him through it and so the priest got there and he was, you know, okay, like, where is he? Where is he? I'm sorry, I'm late, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like throwing holy water on him, like no reaction. Did some prayers over him, no reaction. And he came up to the dad and he shook his hand and said, congratulations, you just you just exercised the demon from your son. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of leads into the, the importance of authority, Dan. And uh, gosh, this is, especially now when, you know, people are all about, you know, destroying the, you know, patriarchal society and, you know, eliminating order and, and authority and, you know, like, like beating up against authority and things like that. So why is authority so important? I mean, you can talk from a you know, traditional standpoint and then just why nowadays we've totally lost it and why we need to get back to the importance of authority and why it actually matters. It's not just this this power struggle that people think it is, but it actually does matter to have that authority. Yeah, it's 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 a huge issue. Um I used in the book I use Rogers rules for rangers uh as kind of a to show that this is guerrilla warfare. And Rogers first rule for the, and the army rangers still use Rogers uh rules. You still memorize them. I've got my ranger handbook over here. I can probably still recite half of them. His first rule is every ranger is bound by the rules and articles of war. The precepts and articles of war. So we're bound by the precepts and articles of war. We know this when when I went to Iraq, we knew this. We, we, there's certain precepts and articles that you have to abide by. I don't know why we think in spiritual combat that doesn't matter. That suddenly it, we just have to come up with some some sweet prayer to sugary Jesus and everything's going to be fine. There's three basic rules. A demon's going to yield or not yield according to these three rules. And it, and it isn't about your your looks, your PhD, your beard, the type of cigar you smoke. It's going to be this. Rule number one, does this person have requisite authority over the person, the place, or the object? And he's going to ask that. He knows who has authority in the room. He scans the room. He knows who has rightful natural law authority in the home over this individual. Um, so, so he tracks that. He is bound by that because these are the laws that God established. And he's going to try to get us to not know the rules of engagement. He's going to want to try to get us to, to violate the rules. And the rule of and, and, the, and, the, and the system or the structure of authority, I spell it out in the book. It's very clear. And there's two ends, to provide and to protect. And so... If you're working under authority, you will be protected. Um, if you go outside of authority, you could be retaliated against. But the rule number one is going to yield or not yield based on the authority over the person, place, or the object. Number two is what are the state of merit, the state of grace, the depth of holiness of the person who is petitioning? Because you could have complete authority. You could have 100% authority in the home. But if you're looking at pornography, you're compromised morally. Um, the demon's not going to yield. Because he, you've been giving him permissions to be there. You're opening the door and letting him in. You, you are the open door into your family. So if you're doing all that stuff, and, and a lot of guys are struggling, I know. I hear priests are telling me 80% of what they hear in the confession is based on the Sixth Commandment uh, and pornography. But the target isn't you. Your job, you're under, you're, you have the position of authority in the home. You're there to protect. And if you lower your shield, your family is not protected, not just your wife, but your children as well. That's the target, the children. So you've got to stay in the state of grace and the depth of your holiness 
will help will help the effect of this. That's the plus P rounds, and your you know that's the armor piercing rounds uh, that you load. And then the third one is specifically what is he asking? The specificity in combat is everything. You know, I had a you know gun rockets and and, and missiles and twenty millimeter uh, uh, bullets. And it doesn't help you. You can make a lot of noise and you can scare the crap out of the enemy, but you got to hit them. You got to be specific in your targeting to take out your enemy. And so being specific in your prayer is very important. We like to jump to the specific prayer part, but we lose the other two. But ultimately, it's holiness and thought, word, and deed that's going to help us uh, uh, draw that, draw down on our enemy and hit our target. But this is very, very critical. The authority structure is absolutely critical. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode. I just want to take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors, which is Exodus 90. Now, I know many of you have heard of this program before, Exodus 90. Most of you think of the really cold showers, but it is so much more than that. It is a program that has helped thousands of men throughout the world. It works on your discipline, not only spiritually, but also physically, which includes the cold showers, but also includes increasing your prayer time encouraging you to do a holy hour of prayer every day, and they walk you through how to do that. But it has given so many men so much more freedom, not only away from their phone, but also more freedom with their children and their spouses as well. I cannot recommend this program enough. I am currently, at the time of this recording, in the middle of St. Michael's Lent, but I've also done Exodus 90 in the past. I plan on doing it again in the future. Uh, right now, you can have a, get a seven-day free trial with their app. Their app is incredible. Not only do they have Exodus 90, but they also have other programs that you can do as well, like I mentioned, the St. Michael's Lent. Uh, you can do, uh, like I said, seven-day free trial, and then you can go $10 a month or $90 for the full year, which is uh, saving 25% on the app. Cannot recommend this program enough. I will leave a link in the show notes for you guys to download the app and also check out their website. They have so much great content coming up, blog posts, social media content, everything like that. Make sure you guys check out Exodus 90. All right, now let's get back to that episode. What would you say, Dan, and forgive me if, if I'm jumping here, but would you say that, Dan, can you hear us? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, sorry, your video, your video cut off. Okay, sorry. Um, but anyway, so would you say then that, I guess, especially in a family structure, the the husband and the father has more authority, even a, a priest, I guess, in terms of this the spiritual. Because I mean, obviously, the husband and the father is the, the first line of defense. So would he be granted then, just based on natural law, more authority in essence than even uh, an, an exorcist or the bishop or things like that? Or am I kind of misconstruing well, the, universal the rights of authority? By, by, by nature of okay. holy orders, a universal authority. Um, in the home, the father as head of household has has authority. It isn't more or less authority. It is authority. You know, and and in the military, you understand this and it isn't and the authority is uh, is not based on merit or charism. It's based it's based on office. Just like Ambrose said, don't look at his don't look at the at his appearance. Look him, judge him by his office. And so the office of head of household bears carries with it authority. And so people, you know, I give conferences and talk at parishes. They like Ephesians chapter six and the armaments of God. You know, it's it's a lot of cool imagery there. But I always start in Ephesians chapter five. Particularly where St. Paul says, wives, be subordinate to your husbands. 
And we don't like that word, but the word subordinate to, 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 to the Greek word is upotasso. It's a military term to be ordered under, right? It's, it, it's, an, it's, a, it's a place of ordering. And so we would walk down the street on a military post and the senior rank and officer would always walk to the outside. And then, the, and then by rank, one step back to the left, one step back and to the left. So the senior rank and officer, his saluting arm is to the outside. So everybody knows when you're walking down post, you know who's the senior rank and officer in this group that's walking towards you, who salutes who first. Has nothing to do with his merit, has everything to do with the rank on his chest or on his hat. And so that word upotasso, to be ordered under, to, 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 um, uh, uh, to, to be subordinate to, um, also, as a military term, means to be under the protection of. And men need to hear this, and so do women, because um, because the word means the imagery that the military imagery is you take your, your wife and your children or father, your parishioners, and you put them behind you, and you hold up your shield, and your first contact with the enemy. That's what that word means. And I don't know a woman alive today that, that wouldn't say, yeah, that's that's not a bad thing. That my husband gets shot at first, he's the first one to engage the enemy. Amen. It has nothing Absolutely. to do with whether I can match my jacket and my tie or what to wear for mass. I could sit there, and I'm a successful guy, and have no idea what clothes to wear. My wife will say, wear this, wear this, this matches that, don't wear that. It has nothing to do with that. It's about, it's the, it's the way you engage the spiritual realm and how the enemy sees you and your family and how you engage the enemy as head of household. And, and that, that authority piece is absolutely critical. Now, I'm, I was talking to a woman once after a conference and, and her husband was, um, you know, he's addicted to pornography, I mean, uh, uh, video games. And he's just, you know, she's describing the struggles she's having. And she said, I have no problem submitting to a man, but not to a boy. That's very hard. And if you're looking at pornography, you're looking at dirty magazines, you're 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 playing video games as a grown up for hours at a time. You're you're not making your bed. You don't stay physically fit. Um, you, you're not healthy. You're not a leader in your family. You're not a child. You're a boy. And there's a lot of there's a lot of boyish men out there. Right. Yeah, that that have to engage who they are and their core identity. And St. Paul says, by the way, in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives. He doesn't say that husbands love your wives and open the door for them, right? He says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And we should open the door for them, by the way. Love your wife, dying for her. We're called, Father, you're called to die for your flock. And, and, and you and I are called to die for our wives and our children. That's, that is the type of love that we're called to. Deep agape love that dies to self that dies and puts themselves on the line and to protect their family to the end. That's, and that, that's embedded into that language in Ephesians 5. And it's attractive. So it is. What, what woman would not want to be submissive to a man like that, right? Yeah. It's, it's very yeah. attractive. I know that when I came back into the Catholic faith and I started um, entering more into a deep life with Jesus Christ and unpacking my masculinity and man manliness and, and, and going places where I would find, you know, uh, uh, holy women. It's like they were attracted to that kind of masculinity, right? Yeah. Then God calling me to be a priest. And then, like you said, my parishioners behind me, I'm in front with my shield. I'm the tip of the spear. They're attracted to that. Yeah. They want to follow a priest like that. Because that's a priest who is holy. That's a priest who will, right. who will bring the sacraments, right? There, there, there is a priest. There is someone who will die like Christ for us. Yeah. Yes, I want to follow that. It's, yeah. it's attractive. And I, don't, and I may not necessarily agree with everything you say. 
Yeah. But I follow you because you're my because you're my priest. Yeah. You're first. You're first engaging. You know. You know. Mm-hmm. And and it, it and it isn't merit. It isn't because you're handsome and you're a good looking guy, Father. It isn't hand. It isn't merit. <laughs> it's office. It's the yes. office of priesthood. Right. Conf- your conformity to Christ. How we're ordered to Christ. And it's beautiful mm-hmm. imagery when you see that. You know. Yeah. And yeah, it's under. The- under that authority is is the word sacrifice, right? And compassion. And I love break. I love the etymology of words, right? So if you look at sacrifice, it's made of two Latin words, sacere and facere, right? Sacere means holiness or sacredness. Facere means to make, right? So right. when we lay down our lives as priests or or or, or as men, husbands, uh, fathers, right? We sacrifice. And so as we do that in that sacrificial act, we're making something holy. Right. And in the midst of that, we're also bringing compassion, which is compatio, which means to suffer suffer with. with. Yeah. 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 So you become an alter, you know, alter Christus. Right. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's it's how we live and move and have our being, as St. Paul says, with with our with our savior. Right. People are attracted to that. Men want that. Yeah. You know, even though they may not know where to find it or look for it. Right. So, yeah, that's why we're here. (laughs) Everything that a priest does, your entire ontological being is ordered to the sacrifice, specifically the Eucharistic sacrifice, but to sacrifice. And what we share in common, and there's a, mis- there's a lot of misunderstanding between the, 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 and there's a collapse in the modern church between the, the hierarchical sacerdotal priesthood of the ordained and the universal priesthood of the laity. But the Second Vatican Council says that those two priesthoods differ in essence and degree. The commonality between your priesthood and our priesthood is sacrifice. Yours to the sacrifice of the Holy Eucharist, to the Mass, to the sacraments. Ours is to the sacrifice of self for the, for the sake of our family. That's what we share in common. And this is why it's hard, because we don't like that. Suffering goes against our nature, and it's, it's part of the concupiscence. If you look at the fall of the angels, the very essence of the, of the rejection of the angels, the, the fallen angels who became demons, the essence of the fall was a rejection of, of God's asking them to suffer. Will you be assigned to Jimmy? I know that that you're a, you're a creature, uh, light years superior to him, but this is your assignment, Jimmy and Dan. Mm-hmm. No, I want to be in charge of a bishop. I want to be in charge of a, of a diocese or a state, or I want to be the guardian angel of Fatima. No, I want you to be in charge of Jimmy. Well, you do that, you know, and that rejection of accepting a little sacrifice is the essence of the diabolic. And this is part of the reason that our, our, when we tap into the redemptive value of suffering, we break the enemy. This is, this is, this, this is how we beat the enemy. It's conformity of our will and, and offering up little sacrifices and suffering. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I just want to take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors, which is Tan Books. Tan Books is a family-owned traditional Catholic publishing company whose mission is to help people become saints. They believe it is their duty to preserve and promote the spiritual, theological, and liturgical traditions of Holy Mother Church, especially in challenging times. At TAN, they offer a wide variety of resources to help individuals on their journey to holiness. With over 1,000 titles ranging on topics from theology, scripture, church history, and even books designed just for men. 
TAN aims to provide valuable knowledge and guidance that can help strengthen your faith and inspire spiritual growth. Join Father Dom and myself on this journey to become saints. Visit TANBooks.com and be sure to use the code MANLYCATHOLIC at checkout to get 15% off your order and also help to support the podcast. Together, let's strive to become saints, aligning our lives with the teachings of the church and fulfilling our mission to bring Christ to the world. Thanks for listening. And let's get back to that episode. Let's talk about that. So let's talk about redemptive suffering. Because I grew up Protestant. And, you know, I remember when I was slowly getting into the Catholic faith. And, you know, my, my, um, my mother-in-law, God bless her, would always tell my wife, you know, if she was struggling with something. She's like, oh, offer it up. Offer it up. Offer yeah, it yeah, up. right? I was like, That's what does that Catholic. mean? Like what? What is that? Offer, what is, it up, offer it up. What's yeah. the suffering? You know, like what do you mean you could offer suffering up? Like offer up for what? So you know, this is totally it's like a foreign con- and I'm still you know processing it because it's not something I I'm familiar with. But let's let's talk about the the suffering and the importance of it because I hear all these stories too of you know of saints when they they realize that all the suffering that they're going through and some of these saints the stuff they went through is just absolutely incredible. But then you know they realize that their suffering is it's the impact that we can actually have that we don't even realize we truly are a one body with Christ when we we recognize what we can do actually affects other members what i can do today affects you all the way over in new mexico dan and and father dom up and up at olc and rockford and so what can we do as as cuz we all go through suffering whether it's big or small we always have little things throughout the day that really bother us so what can we do um, to offer it up, what does that actually mean, and what is the impact that that actually has, even in the spiritual realm yeah. as well? Yeah, it, when I was in the military, um, you know, I'm a Yankee through and through, and all these military posts were down in the south, and you'd get in line for chow, and you would see this white glob, and and I would always and I would always mess with the cooks. I'm like, what's that? I don't want any cream of wheat, and they'll say it ain't cream of wheat, it's grits, and I said I really don't want any grits, and they say, oh, it just comes with it. And they'll just give me a double portion of grits because grits are gross unless you're from the South. Suffering in the human condition post-fall and and, and, and original sin man is like grits. It just comes with it, um, like grits in a Southern breakfast. And so part of our part of our existence is suffering. You know, I, I, I had a guy come see me not long ago. Oh, I want to see you. And I got to see Father Ripperger. And, and uh, I go to Latin Mass and. And I'm like, that's great. He said, yeah. And, and, but I know that, that I'm supposed to be, uh, uh, you know, my wife's supposed to listen to me. She doesn't listen to me. I'm like, okay, when's the last time you looked at porn? Oh, well, I quit that at least 30 days ago. <laughs> okay. When's the last time you smoked marijuana? Oh, I don't, I, I, I gave that up too, like three weeks ago. I'm like, dude, I, don't you know that you, there, there's some expiation needed? Just because you said, you know, if a guy has an affair on his wife today, comes back and says, I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. No problem. She may forgive him, but he might be sleeping on the couch for a while. There, 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 there is the temporal satisfaction for our sins. Need the, the cup of God's, the cup of satisfactions oftentimes need to be remedied. But at the same time, we, we, Faustina, for example, and I, I think I quoted her in the book. She said that the angels could envy us. They would envy us for two things. One, for our ability to receive communion. And that's kind of obvious that we could receive the Lord bodily. Imagine I envy him and holy envy that, that he could consecrate in his hands 
and bring our make our Lord present with his hands. Unbelievable. But they could envy us so that because we can receive communion. But the second thing she said, if they were capable of envy, the, the angels would envy us for our ability to suffer. Um, the envy of the angels. And so how can that be? But in, in that suffering, we are most conformed to Christ. You know, those, those scripture verse that you don't hear, that we don't like to hear. Colossians 1.24, I rejoice in my suffering, for in my body I make up what's lacking in the suffering of Christ's body, which is the church. What could be lacking if Jesus said, it is finished? What is lacking except if not our own participation in the distribution of graces that Christ objectively won for us on Calvary? He wants our participation in the distribution of graces. There's power in, in that. Uh, when I was teaching the priest in Germany last month, earlier this month, um, I was at Maria Trost house where Edith Stein would stay and go. She went 16 times to the Buron Abbey for spiritual direction. She took the name Benedicta from the influence of the abbot there and the Benedictine spirituality. And, and I know everybody over there is wringing their hands about the church in Germany. And I said, look, and here's, you want to be a priest of God? You want to help the German church? Let me tell you Edith Stein's last recorded words as she was being taken away to Auschwitz with her sister Rosa. Come, Rosa, let us die for our country. Let us die for our people. Let's go. Born on the Day of Atonement, Edith Stein offered herself in atonement for her people. That, that, that is redemptive the redemptive value of suffering. We can rain down grace from heaven through small acts. In the first, the first uh, uh, version of the book, Father Ripperger did a peer review, and I used the word surrender. And he, he reminded me, he said, in tradition, it's not surrender, it's conformity. And, and then I was meeting with the guys at TAN, and they just happened to give me um, blessed or St. Claude de Colombier's um, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. Have you heard of this book? It's a little treatise. Every Catholic's got it on his bookshelf. I've got it sitting over here. Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. But when you read it, it's all about conformity of wills, offering every small little thing up uh, to God. How could it be, for example, that Therese, a little flower, who entered Carmel at like age 14 or 15, she was homeschooled, lived in a holy house, died at age 23, never left Carmel, and was made co-patroness of foreign missions with Francis Xavier through the little way. We like to write her off as, oh, that's a cute little girly way of loving Jesus. You want to talk about power. I teach Carmelites every Thursday in our diocese. I go in and you're talking about pure virginal power, B-52 strikes in the mystical body, in the cosmic realm, snipers in the cosmic realm. That's Carmelite spirituality, and there's nothing sugary about it. So co-patron of foreign missions by conformity of all things to the will of God and making everything a spiritual sacrifice. That's right. It's ultimate love, isn't it, though? It is. There's no greater love than this than to lay down your life for your friends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, St. Saint Augustine, I always have to remind myself of this when I feel like I'm, I'm suffering with pride and I need humility. Uh, St. Augustine talked about it as, as, as cavatus and say, uh, it, it's caved in on oneself. Like the, yeah. the weight of pride is so heavy. It, it forces you to, it curves your spine. The only person you're looking at is yourself. And that's sad. Right. It's, it, yeah. Yeah. And so, and, 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 and so to be not, Kivatus <laughs> and say is, yeah. is to be able to look at the other in, in, in a selfless way of giving yourself unlove, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 
Yeah, we're either, and I, and I use this phraseology in the book, we're either ad orientum or ad hominem. Ad hominem is what is, is a developed theological term pointing to what Augustine said. It's turning inward on the self, inward on the emotions. We have to get beyond human, our yeah. emotions. Nowhere in our life, if we go by emotions, nobody stays married. Nobody stays a priest because I know by Sunday I'm night, you'd be dead. Or in prison. Yeah. Or in prison. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, if we if we only emotions have that we have to learn to to rule the emotions and keep them in right order and so and, and so understanding that the emotions come and go but grind that that slow grind is absolutely critical or we're, so we got to get people turning away from themselves and their wounds and their trauma and their sins and looking to God to the east you know the resurrection in hope. Uh, Renzi is the foundress of the Our Lady of Sorrow Sisters. I gave a retreat for them. And she has a famous saying. She said, look for the Alleluia on the other side of the cross. That's hope. Enduring through the cross because we know an Alleluia waits us. That might yeah, sound that might sound sugary Jesus, but we're going to pound it out between now and then. Yeah. Yeah. There's something better on the other side, right? This is our home. We're, yeah. we're a pilgrim people. We're a, pil- we're a pilgrim people. And if you've yeah. ever been on an authentic pilgrimage, uh, that, that process of point A to point B, that pilgrimage, there's a transformation that takes place. You're different on the other side of that pilgrimage. If you've gone yeah. to the Holy Land for, for a pilgrimage or anything like that, there's always a transformation that takes place and you're changed, right? And it, that's like a microcosm of, of our life from, from birth to death, right? We are a pilgrim people and this isn't our home, you yeah. know? We have to open that transformation as well. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what that's what I like. That's what I like about your book and the way that you bring it and the way you present it. Right. It's it's good not only for the laity, but for us priests as well. And it provides that groundwork. Like you said, just enter into it. Follow these just follow these these rules, if you will. And, and more than likely, you will be able to move out of severe temptation or even oppression in itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I get, I've just this week, I've got three or four different emails on cases that I'm consulting with and they're. Um, one, one's a religious brother, you know, different people, different vocations. And they're, they're, they're saying things like, I did this 30 day discipline protocol. And I, we just put an app up in the app store. It's kind of like PX 90 for the soul, you know? Um, and the hardest part is you're praying six, 12 and six, uh, the exilium Christian norm prayers in the Angelus. You're announcing into the cosmos three times a day with the church, the incarnation of God, you know? Yes. And, and people have said, Hey, I've started this. And I've stopped. I, I've all my all sexual. I've been able to overcome all sexual temptation. Let's just put it that way, um, just by having this discipline. Because recall that the demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the prayers themselves. So imposing order is very, very important, uh, um, and, and spiritual combat, not just order in the home, but interior order, so that so that you can start getting a baseline from which to pray. And over time. You, we, we have to learn how to do meditation. Lexio Divina, we call it in the right. Benedictine tradition. Holy reading of scripture that the, that the memories and the imagination are now washed, right? Not with our emotions and our traumas, but washed with the words and deeds of Christ. So, that, Dr. Dan, I have a question. I don't want to get off topic, but um, so as, as, as a pastor of, of many souls here at, at my church, uh, we have a lot of a lot of young men, right? A lot of families. Good. Um, what can I do <laughs> to help empower the men here at my parish to begin to enter into the authority that we've talked about? To begin to enter, help them enter into the realization that they are the priest of their domestic church. Um, 
how can I help them enter into that, that, that authentic masculinity where they can, where they can lead and, and die for the bride? Yeah, I think, I think it begins, I they say values are caught and not taught. So at the first point, it's you being that man, you being that, that masculine man in the parish. So they see what authentic masculinity looks like. And then teaching, coaching, uh, preaching, all the things that you do as you're part of, as you're part of your sacerdotal ministry, being Christ, being, being Christ to them, preaching the value of masculinity, of devotion to, to, the, to the Blessed Mother and the saints, um, living their faith fully. Another thing that I've had priests comment um, over time, they're starting to, I've got various priests that are like, hey, I didn't realize that I can do binding prayers as a priest. You know, uh, so yes. so one priest yep. told me I started doing a quiet binding prayer before mass. I bind any demon that would block, that would try to block the, anyone that comes to this mass from receiving all the graces that God would want them to receive. And he said, people are saying to me, Father, you're preaching. I don't know what's going on. It's incredible. And so he's done nothing different, but the, he's just blocking. He's stepping in and standing in the gap and saying, no, these are my sheep. You get out, you back off. Another guy uh, uh, said he started praying, binding prayers before confession. I bind any demon that would try to block the memory of anyone who's going to confess to keep them from making a good and thorough and holy confession. He said the quality and the quantity of confessions is skyrocketing. And then he, he'll do small little binding prayers in the confessional, small little severing prayers after absolution. Hey, can I pray for you? So he'll do the small little quiet. Nobody needs to hear, but you and the demon, you, you pray it and the demon hears it. That's it. So he prays a quiet binding prayer. He told me not long ago, he said, I, so I picked up on something. So I prayed this little binding prayer. I bind the demon of this or that. He said, all of a sudden I hear this thing on the other side of the, of the veil of the screen. And the guy starts screaming, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And he runs off. Father, I don't know what it is, but it's gone. It's gone. He starts running out. He hears him running through the church screaming, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know? Now, normally you're not going to get that reaction. That was mostly for the priest, or for God to say, or our lady saying, you're on the right track. So so helping them through prayer uh, as well. So being the example and not being afraid to get, engage your rightful authority as a priest, you know, your rightful authority and wield that correctly. You'll teach men how to do that in the same in their home. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I think. I mean, gosh, I don't think it's an accident that we're called the church militant here on earth. I mean, I think, too, I mean, Dan, just obviously with your background in the military, I think, you know, it kind of leads perfectly into, you know, the spiritual combat. And I want to step back just uh, briefly here because you talked about the importance of men hearing the importance of providing. Can you hear me? No, I. Oh, there he is. He's coming on. I'm Michael Severs, the writer, producer, and creator of The Silver King's War, a podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Stanley L. Silverfield, a first lieutenant in the United States Army Air Corps from Birmingham, Alabama, rode in the nose the greenhouse of the famed Martin Marauder. You can find The Silver King's War wherever you listen to podcasts. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> I love it, man. Embrace the suck, man. That's what Embrace it is. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. We have to. We have to walk the talk, right? You know, it's it's like I hear people say, "Oh, I'm not afraid of the devil." 
You need to be. You need to have respect oh. for your enemy. The first time, the only time that I ever was to, that I was ever knocked down is I got into a ring with a guy and I was feeling pretty good. And uh, and this guy was I was like, ah, this guy's got nothing. And I walked right into a right hand and he put me on my backside. He let you up. I, that's when I realized, you know what? They hit back. <laughs> they you shoot know, back. The Iraqis shot back at us. They had bullets and tanks too, you know. So, so you got to respect your enemy. You still do the work, and next time we'll do better perimeter prayers beforehand. But uh, you know, but but th- this is this is just part of it. You know, it's just part of it. Yeah, yeah. Knowing knowing your enemy, man, that's key. I, you know, you talk about boxing. Um, I, w- I was into mixed martial arts for for a little while, and and uh, I remember one of my one of my competitions. I didn't I didn't prepare for my opponent. Right? I didn't study my opponent. I didn't know anything about him. I was pretty cocky. He was smaller than I was, and I was like, I'm bigger. I, I'm going to take this guy, right? And so we 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 <laughs> we begin, and he immediately starts shooting on me like fast. Super fast, and I'm like, "Holy crap! This guy's a wrestler. This guy's a wrestler." Little did I know he's an ex collegiate wrestler. And if I would have studied my opponent, if I would have, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, But eventually, he finally got in on me. He sweeped me. He picked me up, body slammed me, dislocated my jaw, broke a rib. Tap out, tap, tap, tap. Right? Yeah. Uh, I did not study my enemy. I didn't know my enemy. And then when I went into combat, I got. I got annihilated. Yeah, I got annihilated, and so that there's there's just a really good, cool correlation with that in our spiritual, our spiritual lives as well. And knowing yourself is key too, right? Being in a state of grace, entering the sacraments, but also knowing who Satan is and what what he desires. Right? He wants yeah, absolute uh, chaos yeah. and destruction. He wants a, that. A, a, a complete distrust of self. You know, because because Father Dominic could easily fall back into Dominic. <laughs> and and Jimmy can fall back into old Jimmy and Dan can fall back into old Dan at any time. We have to we have to we have to respect our enemy. We have to not trust ourselves, completely trust the, the Lord. And, and again, if I could plug my official sponsor, the Holy Virgin Mary, do Marian consecration. Uh, that that is one element of spiritual combat that is well, that is ignored um, and, and, and let her help you fight this battle. Yeah, she crushed the head of the serpent, right? Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy, do you have that picture? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Let me see if I can pull it up for you guys there. Yeah. So I love, I love this picture. So you say you have St. Joseph, and he cut the snake in half, right? And the axe yeah. is bloody, and he's looking, at, he's looking at his woman. He's looking at Mary. He's like, hey, look what I did. Isn't this nice? And she's looking at him all sweet and cuddly. Yes, yeah. that is nice. And she's crushing the head of the serpent. There's the kill. Yeah. There's the kill move right there. That's Mary. Yeah, that's yeah, I, lo- exactly. I love it. I love it. I love it. We, we need to bring the full armor of God and and the full weight of the church. This is what I what I recognized immediately um, getting involved in, in uh, when I started be working with exorcists and and the, the watching and and praying at the ri- you know priest praying the ritual. You feel the weight of the church. You feel the power mm-hmm. of the saints and particularly the, the the Holy Virgin Mary. You know she has total coercive power over the demon. St. Bridget of Sweden says that when she, when you say the name of Mary, it's like lightning that strikes and the demons flee. Um, it's, it's powerful just to invoke her name. Um, so, so we, we have to we use all the weapons at our arsenal. Um, be distrustful of ourselves, 
don't don't obsess about what the enemy does, but you got to know that he's out there. You know, one time, Father, you'll like this. I was working with a priest and he had a prisoner that was that was afflicted. And he said, you guys take care of it. I don't want a target on my back. I don't want to go there. I don't want a target on my back. I'm not into that stuff. So that day or the next day, I, I, there's, we have a fraternity of St. Peter Parish about an hour away. So I go I go there as often as I can for Latin mass. And so I was at daily mass and uh, the priest had his fiddle back on. And, and and it was had a big red chi, you know, the first word for Christ, the X, you know, which it looks like an X, but it's a Greek chi. And so he's praying, he does the elevation um, and the bells are ringing. And all, all you see is this huge red X on his back. And I said, I thought to myself, there it is. You want to be a target? Be a priest. You became a target when you prostrated yourself before the bishop and you and you and you gave you you gave your life as as a priest of the living God. You became a target. Jimmy and I became a target when we said for better or for worse, when we're going to we're going to we're going to live this marriage till death do us part. We're going to die for our family. We're going to we're going to put everything to death for our family. We're going to kill for our family in that sense. And we're going to we became a target. And this is the temptation that you're going to get. If you back off, I'll back off. Right. Just stop this family podcast stuff. Father, stop preaching these homilies. Stop doing this stuff. You back off. I back off. He's not going to back off. It's like mm-hmm. that wrestler. He might give you a little breather, but he's just setting you up for the next one. Yeah, he's cat setting and mouse. Down. <laughs> yeah, it's cat and mouse. So we. So if you stay passive in the spiritual life, in the spiritual warfare, if you stay passive, you'll get taken to the woodshed. Like, you know, Father, in MMA, if you try to be passive in MMA, you're going to get you're going to get blasted. If you try to stay passive in the boxing ring, you're going to you're going to get they're going to push you into a corner and they're going to pound you. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we are attacking. Right. Matthew, chapter 16, verses verses 18. Right. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Yeah. The gates are stationary. Right. We're, we're attacking. And, and men need to know this. It's oh, like, yeah, you're, you're yeah. built. You're built to, to attack. We're hardwired to attack. We're hardwired to lay down our lives and defend. That's what we're supposed to do. And that, that's what unlock, unlocks this masculinity. And that's where, where it brings like purpose in our life, right? Purpose yeah. in our life. I, I, I love this conversation. I love being a priest. I love being a man. I love, I love, I love fighting. I love this combat. It, it brings, it brings life. It brings life. My yeah. fatherhood, my fatherhood and laying down my life, yeah. it brings life to me. And, 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 and that's why, you know, Jimmy and I started this podcast is we want to unlock that. And, and, and men, we want them to be on, we want them to be on fire. We want them to be on fire for God. And their yeah. vocation, they'll change. We'll change yeah. the world, right? We'll change the family and and and, and the church and Satan. Satan knows, and that's that's what he did to, to to Adam, right? In the garden. I love going back to Genesis. I love going back to the garden, right? And, and, and Satan, Satan got into the garden because Adam wasn't standing at the front door. Adam was gone. He wasn't present. We as men yeah. and fathers, we need to be present. So he wasn't present. So when Satan entered in, he didn't go looking for Adam. He didn't yeah. care where Adam was, right? He went to the most yeah. important important thing at the center of the home, center of the garden. And that was that was Eve because Eve has a womb. Satan yeah. doesn't. Yeah, right. He divides so, the husband is that at that Adam response of silence of not yeah. engaging. You know, um, it's it's twice. It's, it's, twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah. And not then blame. It was the woman you gave me, God. Yeah. You gave me her. That, that's weak. That, that's amazing. That, that's a man boy. That's a man boy right there. You know. Yeah, it is. It is. Adam was yeah. the first man boy when yeah. he said that. Well, yeah. Dan, you know, you you, you mentioned you know dividing the husband and the wife. I don't know if this applies or you have noticed this too in your in your spiritual life. I noticed when I 
again, I, I'm not, I'm not disciplined. I'm not attacking. I'm more passive. The first Satan is the same, does the same thing every single time. He tries to divide my wife and me every single yeah. time. If I am not, if I'm not on my guard, I mean, he's like we mentioned in first Peter, he's that prowling lion, you know, lurking about the world. Right. And so every single time he, he plants these seeds of doubt and it's like, well, you know, she didn't, she didn't compliment you when you did something that you didn't ask her that she didn't ask you to do or blah, blah, blah. She, she said that in a, in a different tone. Are you sure? You know, blah, blah, blah. It's like all this stuff is just popping in my head and I go, yeah, you know, I got to get back to it's either, it's either I got to get confession or I'm slacking in my prayer life. It's always those two things. And it's, both, you know, yeah. he, you know, as, as father Dom said, when we talked about this on a previous podcast episode, he runs the same play. We we're talking about football a lot. He runs the same dang play every single time. And he doesn't change tactics. It's the same thing, but because it works so often. Yeah. And, you know, it's not knowing yourself, not knowing where your weaknesses are. But I just know for me, and I want to kind of kick that to you, if, if you've noticed that, or if there's something in particular that, but it's always my wife and me. If, if my defenses are down, he always goes after that every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Father Ripperger once uh, beat out of a demon and asked him, why do you keep doing the same things? He says, because it works. The devil and the demons, because it, it works. It's quite boring. He does the same things because they work against us. In the family, the, 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 the target is always the children, but he starts by, by changing perceptions. He'll start changing and putting spins on our perceptions of our spouses. And so we have to watch that. We have to always be aware of the, of the catch that in those movements. And particularly if you, if you look at, it's like Catechism 44, 75 to 84, right around there. It's offenses against the truth. And one of the, one of the offenses against the truth is rash judgment. It's, it's this, I think father was thinking this, or I think my wife was saying that, or I bet she was thinking this when I didn't do that, or, you know. And so projecting, once you start thinking what other people might be thinking, that's rash judgment, and the demon's all over that. So the first thing he does is change, change our perceptions of each other. And so we, we have to have clean perceptions. We have, and, and before he even gets to that, he gets us to stop praying together. So even if it's just grace, praying the rosary, praying night prayer together, doing the praying the divine praises before you go to bed, which is a great spiritual warfare prayer. You just pray this divine praises. The last thing you say is praising the divine praises into the cosmos before you roll over and go to sleep. You know, praying together in small little vocal prayers of the church, um, these litanies. These things keep us united. Uh, and so the minute, the first thing he gets us to stop praying together, and then he starts getting us to change our perceptions. And we start thinking, think, you know, things that were, were, things that were cute at the beginning of our marriage are suddenly now annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what's changed? Nothing's changed. You know, Father mentions this, Father Ripperger mentions the, 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 he used the analogy of the pig laugh. You know, your wife has this cute little piglet laugh. When you first get married, it's the cutest thing ever. And after about five years, when she laughs, you want to jump off a bridge. Well, what's changed? Nothing. She's the same woman you married. She's a fantastic Christian woman. Only thing that changes your perception. So watch that perception. That's that's one of the key things. And 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 the demon will constantly chisel away at marriages and perceptions. And so so um, praying together is very very critical and catching those temptations and and before they grow, you know, into something greater. You got to catch them when they're small before they grow into your into your deeper thoughts. This is why in the Benedictine tradition, Father, you remember the, the imprecatory psalms. 
You know, we don't, they're not in the office now. They've taken the imprecatory Psalms that you go to a Benedictine monastery and you you'll pray the Psalm. May the Lord punch my enemy in the mouth and knock out his teeth. May the Lord crush the skulls of the babies of my enemies, you know, and if scripture scholars are constantly trying to, well, you know, this and that, and David may have meant that. Okay. But the, but in the, it, the, the monks always see this as a call to the spiritual life. They spiritualize it. What, who is my enemy? The devil, impurity, anger, lust, whatever. What are the babies? These movements of these of these uh, emotions of these temptations before they gain and get big. You got to stop them before they get big. This is why you crush them against the rock. Who is the rock? Christ is the rock. Yes. So crushing these temptations early, so before they grow into something and cause greater division in the family, mm-hmm. particularly in the couple. Yeah, That's, I think. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Jimmy. No, I was going to say. I think it was Father Ripker too. He. If I if I think it was him, but he said, if you ever receive or you think something negative about another person, automatically assume it's the devil right. or the demon coming after you. Like oh, yeah. every single time, if there's some a distorted perception going on about another person, gossiping things like that, it's always a demon. It's yeah. never you know what the other person did or said. It's always something that's just again, it's trying to do that divider. Uh, that division that chaos you know and especially with the husband and the wife you know again like you yeah. said with the you know the piglet wa- laugh you know nothing has changed in five years it's it's literally your own perception of your wife who you adore who you love who is your partner for life and it's just so something clearly is going on with your own perception of her because she hasn't she hasn't changed yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's there's a connection that between you and you and your wives and then me and and, and my wife right the, the bride of christ the church um i have to stay I have to stay prom- I have to stay promised to the oath of my liturgy of the hours, right? I got to pray my breviary. I have to I can't stop doing that. If I stop doing that, then Satan will get into my relationship and begin to to separate that as well. You know, bishop, I don't want to be a priest anymore. The bishop usually at, will ask, "When did you stop praying your liturgy of the hours?" Exactly. I stopped praying 5 years ago. Okay. All right. Well, there it is. There's that separation. Uh, when I do marriage prep with with couples, um, I'll specifically target the man as as being right that authority of prayer, and I and I'll say, "Do you guys pray together?" Well, no, Father, we don't we don't pray together. And then and and, and I'll say, "Well, you guys are going to work on sex, right? You're going you're going to get that down, right?" Oh, well, of course, Father, of course, <laughs> I'm going to work that down, of course. And I say, "Well, but you're not going to work on prayer." Well, no, we don't know how to pray together. And I say, "Prayer is the most intimate thing you guys will do together." And so we have six to eight months to work on this. Um, otherwise, I won't marry you. I won't. Yeah. I won't put my stamp of certification on this sacrament between. But let's work on this. Let's work. Let's work on 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 praying together. And that's what I focus on. on a lot of couples because they'll come in not knowing how to pray. Uh, let's let's work on this. You guys have to work on praying together. Let's lay the foundation. Let's get this going. Right. It's so important yeah. to pray together. It's the most intimate thing they'll do together. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't. It doesn't have to be. I, I, I was visiting some folks. And the husband was a little nervous. A lot of people there and everybody there was like, yeah. hey, we got to say grace. You're the head of household. Pray. Yep. And he was nervous, you know, because he, he he's still not quite engaging. And I said, I said, look, I'll show you how to do it. Let me show you how to pray. He said, all right. And everybody's watching. And, and they're all expecting, you know, some great theological inspired <laughs> prayer. And I said, 
Here's how you do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts. And he just started saying it. Everybody said it. I made the sign of the cross. That's it. That's a prayer. And you lead it. You don't have to impress anybody. It's just pray together. You don't have to, well, Lord, this and and and, and Father God, this and and you know, you just 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 pray anything together. Just pray together. Pray before you go. Husband, bless your wives before they go. Bless holy your water. Children. Yeah, have yeah holy, holy water, water in the house. Have exercise holy water. Uh, oh, and uh, uh, your home. It's a domestic church. Get it blessed. Yeah. Get the homes blessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your homes blessed. Get rid of part of our protocol is you get rid of. All the garbage, you know, um, any, any pagan stuff, dream catchers, Coca-Cola, crystals, yep. crystals um, get rid of this stuff. This, this stuff is not holy. Make your home a Catholic home uh, in every aspect of it. And your, your marital bed needs to be Catholic. Yes. Your walls mm-hmm. need to be filled with Catholic uh, art. Yeah, have, it, have, a, have a prayer nook. Have a prayer corner. Yeah. Uh, fathers, let, let your children see you pray. Let them see you pray yeah. with your wife. You know, those are yeah. important. And and, yeah. and if you're like Jimmy with young family, your 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 wife would would is getting no prayer time because of kids. So sometimes your prayer is picking up the kids so that your wife can have some primary prayer time. Your mm-hmm. prayer is the sacrifice is that sacrifice for her so she can get prayer time. This, these are all things, you know, um, that that young couples, they don't teach us this stuff. We just run at it and we think. You know, we, we don't get these are little basic stuff, but praying together, get getting other each other free time so we can have our own quiet time for prayer away from mon- retreats, if possible. These things are all real important uh, uh, for, for married couples to do. 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a, a dream catcher story. So this was uh, early on in our marriage and we went to a wedding out of town and we were staring, staying in an Airbnb. And. uh we were staying in a room that had like dream. Ca- I think there's two or three dream catchers in there. And I kid you not at like three or three 30 in the morning, we both woke oh, up and there was just like this, gotta be three, this heavy yeah. darkness in the room. And I said, we're gone. Like we are leaving. <laughs> so we got up at three in the morning and we left. Like it was like the creepiest feeling. And I wasn't Catholic at the time. I, I converted like two years after we were married, but it was just this, you know, so you mentioned that, you know, having pagan things in the home, like a dream catcher yeah. or, you know, any masonry things and, and, and stuff along that. It, yeah. Just, just get rid of it as, as soon as possible, yeah. because like you said, it's, you're just opening, you're just opening the doorway, you know? And, and, and Dan, I did want to ask, and I mean, if you want to share a story, obviously you can, but I spoke with, with father Lambert, um, who's an exorcist in the, uh, the Diocese of Indianapolis and Archdiocese of Indianapolis. And I kind of asked him, which I always like to get this perception. Is there anything along your line of work, especially working with Father Ripperger and Kyle, that has, I guess, surprised you in in this line? Because it's not your your typical job that you, you go into, right? So you see bizarre things. But, you know, like for him, I know Father Lambert mentioned he he became really close with St. Pope John Paul II. You know, he found when he invoked him during his exorcism, it, it would be either overwhelming sense of peace or he just realized that he was kind of right there by his side. So I kind of wanted to kick that to you. You know, have, in your line of work, you've you've seen a thing or two, to say the least, but has there been anything that has, I guess, surprised you or been something that's unexpected that you've kind of, kind of drawn out from from all the cases that you've seen? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like every time I'm working on a concept to try to understand it, to teach it, to to to, to work it into my life, uh, a case will come along and and kind of uh, you know highlight a certain uh, element. You know, I've I've been you know I've given a scouting report to a priest on the on on this is what we're dealing with, Father, and it's this and it's this. And I didn't use when I explained it to him, I didn't use the Hebrew correctly. And during session, the demon would correct the Hebrew um, because and he, so he's reading the emails knowing, yeah, he didn't pronounce my name correctly. And Dan didn't tell him my correct name. This is my correct name. And he gives me a look like I've been I'm correcting your name. But the very first case we had and this was this was, you know, we're learning about specificity in prayer, the importance of being specific, this principle that the angels go where they're asked, the demons go where they're not resisted. And so we're praying, uh, the priest is praying, and, and now we don't do restrainer, restraints, but, but back then we still did kind of the Roman model. But now we, by the time they get through and go to prayer, they're ready. You don't need restraining, restraining because they're, they're ready for liberation. But back then we, we weren't doing that. And so it took eight guys and, and tie down straps to hold this person down. And so I was just trying to hold this, this poor young girl's, she was probably 15 years old and I was holding her left arm, right? So I'm holding her left arm and I'm struggling and getting punched. I mean, it was bad um, and it was a disaster. And so I'm just praying, the priest is praying exorcism. I'm just praying quietly. I'm like, hey, St. Michael, you know, they, they told us, pray to you. Be specific. So I need help with this. I'm in charge of the left arm and I'm the, and I'm losing this battle. And all this is happening quietly in my head. I'm like, speak, help me say, Michael, subdue her left arm for me. And so and I'm just quietly praying this. I'm not out loud at all because in, in, a, in, a, in Catholic exorcism, there's one guy in charge and he's the guy with the collar. It's not me. And it's nobody else. The priest is in charge. We're just there to help him protect him. And as soon as I prayed this quiet prayer projecting, asking St. Michael, please subdue her left arm, her left arm completely just locked, completely locked. And I was like, wow, quiet. Nobody knows. I'm just quietly praying. And then I kind of late kicked back a second. And I did that just happen? And then all of a sudden, two or three seconds later, I get this. Her arm is completely locked, but her arm, but her hand is moving. And so Ah, okay, I get it. Say, Michael, subdue her left arm for me, but also her left wrist. And then everything just stopped. I was like, wow. Say, Michael, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was sweating, man. This was hot church. We've been in there for hours. And all of a sudden, I see this. Oh. I said, yes, I'm a PhD student. I finally figured it out. Say, Michael, pursue, I mean, subdue her left arm, her left wrist, her left hand, and her fingers on her left hand. And as soon as I prayed that prayer, her entire left arm and hand completely relaxed. And it was, it was, say, Michael's way to show me the power of prayer. Mm. We don't need to feel it. And sometimes we pray and, and God says no, but they're answering those prayers. They're answering those prayers. We just have, we just have to keep praying and be specific in what we're asking in those prayers. That really, that was one day that really made me realize the the power of prayer. And theologically, Blaise Pascal said this, God bestowed on man the, the power of prayer to bestow on him. God gave man the ability to, to pray, to bestow on him the dignity of being causes. And so 
being causes, that we become causality for grace pouring into the world. And so being specific in prayer was very important. That, that, that one blew me away among others. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I'll tell people in confession too, um, being specific in prayer, right? Especially yeah. those binding prayers, like naming it, like the spirit yeah. of lust or the spirit of anger, right? I bind you in the name of Jesus and I cast you to the foot of the cross for judgment. That's a very specific prayer in three different ways, right? There's three ingredients yeah. there. Naming, naming the evil spirit, the authority of Christ to the cross, which conquered Satan's kingdom for judgment, right? Right. Very. That's the one, very, two, three. Yeah. It's a laser guided missile, right? It's a laser guided yeah. missile. Perfect yeah. strength. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's lear- and learning when and how to pray that prayer um, is, is very important in being specific. You, you know, I, I quoted in the book a, uh, a, a modern psychologist who uses this phrase with the emotions. And it's if you can name it, you can tame it. And so I use it by analogy. If you can name not just the emotion, but the defect, the vice, you can tame the demon that's fueling it, that's, that's, that's empowering it. You've got to first name it. You know, I remember one time uh, I was in, conf- I mean, when you're dealing with a diabolic, you just get hit a lot and you start getting, it just, it's a, it's a quick path to, to figure out what your ver- vices are. And so I, I couldn't put my finger on, it. I was in the confessional and I was like, father, I'm feeling, I'm experiencing this. And it's like, I don't feel like praying. I'm still praying, but I don't feel like it. And I'm just kind of going through the motions and I'm distracted. And I started describing all the stuff and the priest just said, well, it sounds to me like you have a sadia. And I said, that's it. Father, I want to confess spiritual sloth. He said, okay, very good. And the minute I confessed it, it lifted. So you, we have to be specific and name these things. You know, you, you know, it, you know, it is, you know, father, you hear this. Well, I took something that didn't belong to me. Okay. What was it? I, well, I robbed a bank, you know, but that's a little significant, you know. So being specific uh, helps break it because the demon always wants to keep everything in, in secret. So, but learning, learning how to pray and being specific in prayer is very important. Yeah, learning, yeah. learning how to pray and examination of conscience as well, too, preparing yourself for confession. And also realizing that confession is not, you know, a place of, of, of counsel and therapy and. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there's some teaching there that needs to be to be done with confession as well too it's a very powerful sacrament right ultimate ec- exorcism in itself yeah. You know. yeah but preparing what what i tell people the demon will try to block write don't write them down be specific you know a number don't be do, don't be detailed don't be a scandal just a father be specific but be brief it's sufficient. And it isn't, this is not a, this is not spiritual direction. This is not counseling. This is, it's not here to talk about what your sister's, what's wrong with her or what's wrong with your wife. Be, you know, accuse yourself deeply and trust in the mercy of God. And yeah, uh, I, I had, I had a guy come in and, and talk to me and there wasn't anybody left. And I just wanted to see how far he'd take it. And he, he was talking about, um, you know, his furnace and how it went out and how he had to change the filter and how he, Tried to call someone and they wouldn't come, and you know his brother's off fishing, and <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I had to reel him in. I had to reel him in eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, for sure. And, and we, well, we do that though. We avoid it. We like to tell the story, mm-hmm. and uh, this is why we encourage people: don't tell the story. You got to tell it up front. Tell it to your counselor. Confess it. 
but don't keep rehashing the story because it just creates, you're just putting, you're embedding it more into your memory and distorted versions of it into your memory, you know? So working on purifying the memory is, is very, is, is very, very important. Dan, how are you doing on time? We're coming up on two hours here. Wow. Wow. That went fast. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Are you, are you good on time or yeah, we can good. wrap up too? Okay. We can wrap up. We can keep going. Whatever you want to do, we can come back well, and do it another time. Do a follow up. We could definitely do a follow up. I know Father yeah. Dom is getting up early and going fishing. Speaking of yeah, fishing, parishioners taking me out in the big lake to do some salmon fishing. So, oh, good. Yeah. Good. Well, if you catch a walleye, make sure you fry it up for me. You guys don't call them walleyes. You guys call them northern pike, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. On this side of Lake Michigan, it's walleye. On that side, I think it's northern pike. But it's the same fish. Those it's Michiganders. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Beach. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of wrap up with kind of a, a resounding charge for the men and women listening out there. And then where we can find more information about you, where we can get this this new book that you you uh, created and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Yeah. I think, I think uh, if I had an elevator speech to any Catholic, uh, I would quote St. Paul, Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to the spirit of the sage, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Know what is good and pleasing, holy and pleasing. Uh, how's it go father? Um, <laughs> yeah, holy and that, pleasing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you may discern what it, what is whole and good. Yeah. Yeah. Before the eyes so, because things are getting really radically weird. I mean, look at the Dodgers, which didn't hurt my feelings because I was a red fan. You know what I mean? So I was glad the Dodgers were always a little aberrant for me anyway, yeah, but, yeah. but, but what is going on? The world's going mad target, Bud light. Um, all the world is going absolutely mad. We're seeing the resurgence of, of ancient evil, ancient, mm -hmm. ancient paganism. defense, paganism. As we're becoming post-Christian, Neo-paganism is on the rise. We're becoming neo-pagan. The old gods are coming back. And so we have to live a Catholic faith. We fight an ancient enemy, and the ancient weapons are best. And what are those? Prayer, sacrament, uh, uh, staying in a state of grace. We learned through COVID the importance of staying holy in a state of grace because we don't know when the sacraments would come back. So so learning to to grow in holiness of thought, word, and deed is absolutely critical. So the, so the book, I wrote it to help people to grow in their Catholic faith, to grow in holiness and learn some techniques uh, uh, of, of, of spiritual, you know, some spiritual weapons um, to, to take with them on the battle. And so you can get the book at uh, tanbooks.com. And uh, it's the Libra Cristo Method, uh, a manual for spiritual combat on Tan Books. You can, I think Amazon has it as well, but Tan gets the better support the good Catholic organization. That would be That's my recommendation. Get it, and also Father Ripperger's book, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity. Yeah, um, that's another great book for the laity. Father, um, if you have, do you have his book for uh, Deliverance Prayers for Priests? Ah, good. <laughs> there it the is. One. All yeah, right. I use it all the time, man. Yeah, yes. that's fantastic. All the time. Yeah, that's that's a great weapon. And all those prayers are, are prayers that any priest can pray. Learn how to use those for, for blessings. Um, that's fantastic. But the, our version of that is this one, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity. That's a, a very great book for the laity to learn how to how to pray spiritual combat. Don't be afraid. You already got a target on your back, so you, you might as well fight back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Punch well, back. I feel like I feel like yeah. I have to flash a book too. I might as well flash your book here, Dan. Hey, so we're all good. flashing books here. You know, the Libra right, Christian we're all, we're all here. Flashing so there we go. We're all, we're, we're all on the same page here. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, 
Well, Dan, thank you so much again. We are definitely going to have to have you on again. But uh, before we wrap up, Father Dom, can you give us a final blessing, please? Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's end with uh, you know. Speaking of 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 ancient prayers, let's let's pray the prayer that uh, our Father taught us long ago, and then I'll give you a blessing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, give us this day our daily bread. Let's forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus, Pater et Filius, et Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. Vare in pace, Deo gratias. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jimmy. I sure appreciate it. Yes, I love your podcast. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Dan, actually, hold on. Let me. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of The Manly Catholic. If you have not already done so, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. It will also help grow the show and reach as many men as possible. We truly think this podcast can change families and help men to change the world. Thank you again so much for tuning in and God bless you.